0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz is here with me, and we are talking Michigan versus Indiana. Will take place Saturday at 3.30. Lots of preview content already up. Plenty more coming throughout the week. Check it all out at the themichiganinsider.com and michigan.247sports.com. Won't want to miss it, but as we do for most of these preview podcasts, we're doing three kind of not key questions, but but roughly three key questions, and then we have our over/unders and final predictions at the end of the show. And Steve, the main storyline. I gotta say, if I if I hear another person call Indiana a trap game, I will lose my mind. I I'm you know it, that's like the old trope is that Indiana always plays Michigan close. I mean, you know how we joke about how sometimes a player can be so underrated that they're properly rated like if they call they get called underrated so much that they're properly rated. I feel like that's happening with Indiana. You know, they they're one they're having their best season in 25 years. They made the AP poll for the first time since 1994. But at the same time, you know, talking to the players, talking to the coaches, like they they they've talked more about Indiana than they have, you know, some sometimes when they play Maryland or Rutgers or or Middle Tennessee or and um, Illinois, you kind of get vague discussion about the team. I almost feel like Indiana being good is the best thing that could have happened to Michigan. Because, you know, it's wedged between two rivalry games. It's on the road. But I feel like, based on what I was able to gauge in the press conferences Monday and Tuesday, I feel like they have Michigan's full attention. And that's, if, for for the Wolverines, that's probably the best case scenario for them, even obviously I'm sure they'd love to play an FCS school like the SEC teams do, or that I'm sure they'd love to play, you know, a Rutgers type team, but you know, being able to treat this like a, like a legitimate game. That's, that's much better than maybe last season when they were just trying to get through Indiana before they played Ohio state. I don't know your thoughts on, on some of the comments this week and, and what you've seen from Indiana who is seven and three so far.
1: Yeah, I, I agree <clears throat> with the premise of uh, so on. Un- yeah, it's such a trap game that it's not a trap game. Because I don't, I I agree with you that I don't believe it's a trap game at all. Like yeah, Indiana's three losses are to Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan State. I mean, it's not as if they slipped up, you know, against a lower level team within the conference. Two of those games were on the road. They had and they really honestly had multiple chances against Michigan State and Penn State last week. They played Penn State really well last week. So, yeah, I and I also agree best case scenario for Michigan here because they're not I don't think Indiana's going to catch them off guard whatsoever. You know, the one thing I don't know if the one thing, but one of the things I feel like Indiana has done, they definitely did this last year. They really kind of in my mind exposed some weaknesses of michigan's the week before they played ohio state you know i think the the biggest takeaway i remember taking out of last year's game against indiana was not the crossing routes it was the same thing that happened against ohio the what i in my mind was the biggest thing against ohio state is that michigan was unable to generate much of a pass rush against indiana's quarterback which again we saw huge, you know, was a, maybe the, it, well, I think it was the biggest factor uh, in the game against Ohio State last year. So, you know, I think it's on Michigan because this is a similar process, right? I mean, they played Michigan State a little bit later than they usually do, but Indiana has always kind of been that warm-up game or that game before Ohio State. And I want to say, I think, I thought I read a stat somewhere that said Michigan hasn't covered the game before the Ohio State game like in the last I mean it was like 6 or 7 years and Ohio State hasn't covered hmm. in the game before the Michigan game like in the last 4 or 5 and yeah so it, it'll be in yeah and so it'll be interesting to see you know how Michigan comes out cuz here's the other thing too as we keep talking about Indiana quality team we still have yet to see Michigan maybe against Maryland but even then uh have yet to see Michigan play full four quarters on the road And this is what they're probably the third best team they've played on the road. I mean, you have to put Wisconsin and Penn State ahead of them. But, again, this is not a 4-5, and you know, 5-4 and Indiana team. I mean, this is, yeah, like you said, their best team in 25 years. So they can't really afford to treat it like a trap game. I think they have to treat it like a big game because I assume, again, Indiana hosted Ohio State I think in, like, week three. But this is also Indiana's biggest home game of the year. And really Mm – not just with Michigan, too. I don't know if people keep track, but Indiana's come so close again in big games so many times, and they always seem to come up just short. That you just, I think you're if you're Michigan, the concern is you know that they feel like that they're going to play loose, but also pl- kind of play like with their hair on fire, feeling like you know what, we're due to win one of these big games. We have a good team, we've kind of proven ourselves in some big games. We haven't cut, we haven't quite crossed the bridge yet, but we maybe we can do it at home against a Michigan team that, yeah, plays Ohio State next week. So, yeah, no, it's it's a, you know, Michigan's schedule's been brutal this year. I mean, let's just call a spade a spade. It's it's There's been almost no time for them to rest at all. And, yeah, like you said, while SEC teams are basically on bye weeks right now, um, you know, Michigan, yeah, has to take on what I, I would call Indiana. I mean, if, what, they lose by four? To Penn State, and they were ranked. I mean, for all intents and purposes, this is basically a, a borderline top twenty-five team on the road. So, sh-
0: sh- yeah, they're they're a couple votes away from being Michigan's sixth-ranked opponent yeah. this season.
1: Third on the road too, and so, um, so yeah, no, it's gonna be a it's gonna be an interesting game.
0: Yeah, it it will. I mean, you know, you mentioned their only losses are to Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State. I think I'm I'm pumping the brakes a little bit on the Indiana hype in the sense of like I don't I don't see them as a top 25 team. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll phrase it like that because their best win so far like the only difference between this Indiana team and other Indiana teams is they snuck out 7 point wins at Maryland and at Nebraska. Those are probably games that in past years they lose. And if they had lost those this year, they'd be 5 and 5 just about where they've always been uh 2 and 5 in the Big 10. And so that's that's something to keep in mind is that you know they're they're able to convert in close games. And the offense is legit. I mean they're not get they you know they put up what 462 yards on Penn State. Uh they've only one time all season they haven't scored at least 27 points. And that was against Ohio State. But they've also beat up. I mean, they had the easiest crossover schedule. Sure. You ready? You ready for this crossover schedule? Imagine if Michigan had this crossover I know schedule. I
1: Ball State was one.
0: Well, no, that's oh, non-conference. The sorry, their, yeah. their crossovers were Nebraska, Northwestern, and Purdue. Sure. I mean, my goodness, could you imagine if? <laughs> I mean, it basically be guaranteeing Michigan gets ten wins. Yeah, their non-conference was Ball State. Eastern Illinois and you'll have to forgive me, I can't remember off the top of my head their third one. But it was it was a cakewalk. I mean it was just it was just nothing. And so something to keep in mind. I mean their best win is probably at Nebraska, at a four and six Nebraska team that has lost five straight, I believe. Four straight. Something like that. So certainly certainly I guess I'm I'm in between, right? I I wouldn't call it a trap game, because I think I think they've earned they've earned the right to be taken seriously. They're they're probably better than Illinois, and you saw what Illinois has been able to do. They're probably worse than everybody ahead, everyone else ahead of Illinois. Like I think they'd lose to Iowa. I agree. But they're right in that middle. They're right in that middle, and so you can't be caught napping. Uh,
1: and again, they're, they're that voodoo. Every I feel like every program in the in the conference has that random like voodoo team, though, that plays. Mm. You know, like well, think about you know Michigan yeah. State. I know they did they did win this year handily, but you know think about Northwestern is always that team that gives Michigan right. State random trouble. Uh, I guess Ohio State doesn't really have a voodoo team as much as they've kind of had like one really bad hiccup. Uh, Each year, you know, but is Indiana is that team that a lot of times has played Michigan a lot closer than what maybe we would have predicted or expected, you know, going into the game. So there's that part. There's that little angle, too, I think.
0: Yep, I think. But I do wonder. And and I know I know you have read the stories and followed along the press conferences and everything, but. The last four years. Indiana has walked into that Michigan game a combined 5-16 and 16 in Big Ten play. And I, I wonder, I don't think the coaches necessarily didn't take Indiana seriously, but if you're like a 19-year-old player and you're like, and twice they've had Ohio State the next week, and then the other time I think they had Penn State the following week. Like if you're 18, 19, 20 and you're looking at Indiana, and you don't know who any of these players are. None of them are. I I did a, uh, I, I saw a couple seven round mock drafts. Michigan's played a lot of draft caliber players this season. Even on Michigan State, Michigan State has four or five. You know, Indiana doesn't have any. At least in those mock drafts, I think they've got a few guys who could maybe a year or two from now. But I I, I wonder if it's if part of why there's that voodoo is that Indiana hits hard when Michigan isn't expecting them to hit hard. So, I, I you know, that, that, that's something that I'm very curious about. I felt like the comments, I mean, they, they're they pretty, you know, Harbaugh had pretty glowing praise of Peyton Ramsey. I know Jay Harbaugh had pretty glowing pra- praise about their defense yesterday. I think Jordan Glasgow and um, Brad Hawkins and John Runyon, you know, I think the fact that they were able to get specific, makes me think Michigan Michigan is aware that they have some voodoo issues and they they're aware that Indiana has more playmakers than they used to. I don't know. A- any 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 other thoughts from from the press conferences and and what they were what Michigan has been saying about Indiana so far?
1: Nah, pretty basic. I feel like they're saying the right things. But again, they should be cuz yeah, this isn't it's despite the voodoo. This is also not necessarily the typical Indiana team that they've played in the past. And also, like I said, I, I just I think just feels like the mentality is different this year anyway. In the macro sense, I don't think you're going to see them <laughs> looking ahead to Ohio State. It's it's weird. How about how do I say this? They're not. I don't think they're going to look ahead to Ohio State because I think they're more motivated than they've ever been to beat Ohio state than they are this year. Does that make any sense at all? That, like that they're, they're
0: the logic does it. I, staying... I, I sense what, I think both of your statements are true. Right. I just don't understand the logic but that connects the two.
1: that. They're so focused on just the mission, the actual mission that they aren't going to let the big distraction become the big distraction at this point. Cause you know, I think there are issues. There are things where this is maybe looked at it again as another game where see how the offense responds after another strong performance. Let's see how the offense does on the road. Let's see if Patterson can kind of keep up this momentum that he appears to be building. You know, so yeah, I know two kind of weird, but I but I feel comfortable in in feeling like that. That that's what I I think the pulse and the vibe is right now, and so.
0: I think one way that they do connect is that um, Michigan season has become a micro-focused season where you really – where they aren't taking anything for granted because they've already lost twice. They're not – because, I mean, you know, I I remember going down to Ohio State last year and, like, thinking about, like, the – you know what the what the travel like like us as reporters when we were driving down there we were like talking about the travel logistics to Indy, you know which which playoff game Michigan was probably going to go to, and it's like if we're thinking about it, granted we don't have coaches reminding us to focus on one game at a time, but but I'm like if we're thinking about it, you know the players are thinking about it, whereas now it's like I'm thinking way more about this Indiana game than than what's ahead, and so I think the fact that, that maybe there isn't anything after these two weeks, at least, you know, presumably not. I guess it's not technically, you know, and who knows how they view a New Year's Six game or whatever. But, you know, there's no Big Ten title. There's no college football playoff. Um, I almost wonder if that does kind of narrow the focus a little bit. Because they can't can't put all of it on Ohio State right now, and they know that. So they they have to split some of that focus. But instead of looking at what's past the regular season – they're just looking at the regular season. Uh, one thing you did mention, and this can be our second kind of key question, is last year. Another buzzword that I'm I'm a little little drained uh, of hearing, but the crossing routes. Indiana did a lot of crossing routes, um, some slants too. Spread the ball around, really passed decently well. I mean Peyton Ramsey's efficiency numbers weren't great. He completed less than half his passes. I It's not like he, I think if he threw for a touchdown, it was only for one. And I know he threw a pick. But there was movement of the football. And that kind of spread the defense out and allowed Stevie Scott to have a good game. He had 139 yards rushing. So the question is, as Michigan prepares for Ohio State, can Indiana exploit anything in this matchup and and for for the listeners who maybe haven't done the research on on Indiana well, we have uh they have five receivers with 367 receiving yards or more they have five receivers with three touchdowns or more Peyton Ramsey is their backup quarterback but his numbers are almost the exact same as Michael Penix Jr's were and he has he's in his third season as a starter he's thrown for 5800 yards in his career Just threw for 371 against Penn State, which is kind of a crazy number. And Stevie Scott has a, he's almost, he's almost perfectly good for 100 total yards and a touchdown per game. In 22 games, he has 2,225 yards of offense, most of it rushing, and then 21 touchdowns. Offensive line, not probably not quite as good as last as past years, but still as has a couple solid players and Hunter Littlejohn and, and Steven Stepan Stepaniak. So I don't, I but but at the same time I, I had this discussion today. I feel like this defense doesn't have as many weak links is kind of a mean way to put it, but as many deficient you know, players that can be picked on, I should say. I feel like they don't have quite as many as in the past. You know, the defensive tackles are playing better this year. I'd argue defensive end is is a push, maybe even favoring this year just because of the health. You know, middle linebacker uh, Cameron Grone has done a pretty nice job replacing Devin Bush. He, he isn't Devin Bush, but uh, it's kind of made up for that. Jordan Glasgow beat out both willed linebackers from last season and is the start of this year. Khalil Hudson's playing better. Josh Uche's playing better. LaVert Hill and Ambry Thomas have done pretty well. Metellus is better than he was last year. And then the the one part where everyone's paying attention to are Hawkins, Dax Hill, and Vincent Gray, a net positive from Tyree Kinnell, Brandon Watson, and I don't even know who the third person in that in that group was. And Kennel and Watson had good seasons last year before Ohio State, but you did kind of see against Indiana they were they were exploited a little bit, just like the Will linebacker I felt like was, just like defensive tackle. Uh, you know, Michigan wanted better defensive tackle play against Indiana last year. I don't know. I guess we'll see. But knowing what you know about Indiana's offense, they do have a new offensive coordinator, Kalen DeBoer. He's done a he he's gonna have a bigger job than Indiana pretty soon. He turned around Eastern Michigan's offense, turned them into a bowl team. He turned around Fresno State's offense, turned them into just outside the New Year's Six last year. They're a top 20 team, inheriting a 1-11 team. He did both of those in two years. And now he's he's adding some a jolt to Indiana's offense. I don't know what stands out to you. I I think the crossing route narrative might need to stop. I feel like Michigan's defended crossing routes pretty well this year. They've sprinkled in zone, and then when they haven't, you know, there still have been there's been improved play against crossing routes. But Wap or Nick Nick Westbrook, Donovan Hale, receivers who have put up big numbers multiple years in a row for Indiana. I don't know, you do you do you see anything that that concerns you about Indiana's offense, or do you feel like Michigan's defense is a little bit better equipped this year?
1: Well, Michigan, you know, I like the two things. I like their versatility defensively more than I like it last year, and they're faster from top to bottom defensively this year, too. And a guy like Daxton Hill is a big part of that, right? I mean, it's really, you know, his kind of emergence. You know what you saw? I mean, Michigan was more than comfortable enough to put him one-on-one with Cody White multiple times last week against Michigan State. White arguably Michigan State's best receiver, uh, at least healthy. And so that, and then also, I just, Indiana can throw the ball, but it's too, they're too one-dimensional for me to believe that they're going to sustain any four-quarter success. Like, I could see them, you know, because they have enough receivers, as you illustrated statistically, that I think maybe they'll give Michigan some problems just with some, you know, this will be a good test for a guy like Gray, right? Uh, you know, probably we'll get a lot of reps and we'll probably get thrown at quite a bit, we assume with Hill and Thomas, uh, Levert Hill, and, and for Daxton Hill. You know, I think this will be a really mm-hmm. valuable matchup for those guys, which, again, as I say, it would be perfect heading into next week, if we're honest. So I just – Michigan's been so disruptive up front that I'm not sure Indiana can sustain – a good enough running game to just sit there and throw the ball all over Michigan all day. Cause we know how, you know, it's like every year we have this conversation because Levert Hill will be gone next year. Who knows if Thomas stays or goes and people will be worried about who's going to replace him at cornerback. And then Michigan will be ranked in the top eight in like almost all the major passing defense categories. Right. So
0: I don't know this, I think this is the year that they don't have a replacement. Yeah, uh, We'll see. <laughs> we'll see about that you know what i
1: mean it's like how long you know how long yeah, is it how yeah. long how many years does this need to happen for people to get it but um so yeah so i could see them just because again yeah i mean i, for, I didn't even realize nick westbrook I sound like an idiot but i didn't i really he feels like he's like the the zach mills like a guy it feels like he's been there for like 12 years at indiana um because i
0: he had a he had a 995 yard season in 2016. That's,
1: that's what I thought. That's what I thought. It was like yeah. Indiana's always got because I know Fillier's had an amazing year. Um, who you know Indiana's always got a speedy quarterback and a high volume number one receiver because I think Westbrook a couple of years maybe it was that year had a ton of catches against Michigan, and so. You know, I think they have enough experience at quarterback and at receiver to give Michigan some fits. But again, as far as the grand scheme, Michigan's just better equipped. I feel like from a personnel standpoint to handle offenses like this than maybe they were in the past. And yeah, you talk about guys like uh, Kinnell and and Watson, who yeah played well for the most part, but yeah would struggle in in scheme uh, matchups like this, especially because you know here look at look at it this way too. When Michigan has struggled defensively, it is usually a communication-type breakdown in the defensive backfield. And so, mm-hmm. um, you know, and that's part of it, too. And that's that's could be that's a, something that maybe you can't plan for against any opponent. But I do think that, for the most part, they have a more athletic group from top to bottom to maybe make up for a small mistake than they would in the past. You know, we talk about Hill, talk about Metellus. But Hawkins too, man, has really uh, become a great asset for them in the defensive backfield. They just have, yeah, they do. They just have more athletes from top to bottom in the defensive backfield right now. And I think it's, you know, I think we're seeing the fruits of that labor. Like I said, add in that they've been so disruptive up front. And really that's credit to Don Brown. You know, they really have been able to manufacture a lot of their pass rush without having to blitz a ton. Like I was surprised at the statistics as far as Michigan does not blitz nearly as often as you think they have. And, and it's been mostly a four man rush. Now I know they've run a lot of the four DEs in at the same time, but either way, you know, only having to rush four can really help against offenses like this that are going to probably, again, this will probably be another one, two throw one, two throw, and then maybe mix in a deep ball every once in a while. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So, yeah, I think they're better equipped.
0: Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm curious to see how they look. I, I, I think they're better equipped, but I do think it will be a test. I mean, this is a team that put up almost 500 yards of offense and 27 points on Penn State, which was a, on paper, very good defense. And so, And I do want to acknowledge that Indiana had a bye week before they played Penn State, whereas Penn State was getting beat up at Minnesota and kind of seeing their season-long dreams crushed a little bit so something to note but at the same time they've produced and they put up they put up 31 points and and close to 500 yards of offense on Michigan state i know michigan did more but that was also earlier in the season that was on the road yeah they're they're a, it's a spread team with a good running back so if if michigan really does handle indiana well then i think you can feel good about the next time they face a balanced spread offense with a good running back. Right. Yep. I mean it's just it's it's not everything, but they did struggle last year and it was kind of it proved to be a precursor.
1: No, it's a great and they have, final test.
0: Yeah, and I'd say their offense is even better this sure. year, so that's something to keep in mind. Uh on the other side of the ball, we kind of have this discussion every week, so I apologize if if I'm not being creative enough with how to frame this, but what should Michigan's offensive approach be this game? I think last week, uh, I feel like I called my shot a little bit, didn't I? When I when I mentioned I, I said I, I don't think they're gonna run the ball very much. I think they really are gonna try to attack through the air. A little back pat there. But this Indiana defense is a little different. I, I wouldn't look at their season long stats, by the way, because they they allowed one passing yard to Rutgers in the most surreal thing I've ever seen. They allowed one passing yard on five completions. Um, you know, and then they eat, they played in Eastern Illinois in FCS school. They gave up, like, nothing to them. So some of their numbers, their season-long numbers look a little bit better than their numbers against Michigan State, Penn State, and Ohio State. You know, they gave up 500 yards of offense to Nebraska and 31 points. They gave up 31 points to Maryland, so... I don't know, Steve. Is there anything? Once again, probably we 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 keep saying this isn't a team to look over, and it's not a trap game. But then we keep looking at at Ohio State for our preview. Is there anything you want to see Michigan's offense prove in terms of running the ball? Maybe Shea Patterson continuing to build confidence. Um, you know, any particular game plan you would do if you were if you had the the controls?
1: I, so I think I'm in the middle. I think this is a game where balance, because I think, what, two weeks ago, I think against Maryland, I talked about they should run the ball, and then we both agreed last week that they should, you know, open it up a little bit. Patterson's got some real positive momentum going right now. I don't necessarily think that means they should come out and throw the ball 30 times, 35 times on Saturday. I think Mm -hmm. you need to just, I think the biggest key for him is to just to maintain his efficiency, and but I do think that Michigan needs to continue to run the football a healthy amount, and I think you need to see more Haskins, more Charbonnet on Saturday, and more True Wilson too. Uh, you know, get get all three of those guys in the mix, because I suspect that Wilson will be important two weeks from now or a week and a half from now in helping to protect the quarterback, as will Charbonnet especially. So you know, I think getting I think this will be more about balance. I think this will be more about being able to do both effectively and not so much about fine tuning or, you know, uh, working on one more than the other. I think this will be the game to maybe kind of piece it all together and really kind of attack a team on the road with a legitimately multifaceted offensive arsenal because they've been on the verge you know, we saw how they looked really. They looked really good last Saturday. The vast majority of it was throwing the football, and you saw so many different looks. It was everything was executed at a high level. You know, it wasn't just that they were had better personnel than Michigan State. I mean, you see some of the plays. You see, and I, I know one thing that actually going back to Harbaugh's presser that he talked about that was so noticeable on Sat last Saturday was blocking on the edges from the receivers. It created. Yeah. I'd love to know. I'm sure they have people that keep these stats. I would love to know how many yards their downfield blocking created for their for the guys with the ball. Because you talk about something that in this scheme is paramount. Is, you know, guys on the edge blocking. And, and really, who's the guy I thought that really spurred a lot of that was Ronnie Bell. I made a couple really big, yeah, I think it was McCune on that little screen. I think Bell probably bought him 10, 15 more yards because of his block on the edge there. And so, you know, you want for Michigan, I think, I think get it, you know, kind of building momentum in that, even just in that area, because that'll help on whether they're throwing short passes, long passes, or they're running the football is getting that quality mm-hmm. blocking on the edge. So, yeah, I think I, this, I think, I think this needs to be a multifaceted type game for them. I think that's the, if there's a best case scenario, you know, I mean, scoring a lot of points, Regardless of how you get it, it's going to be the best case scenario. (laughs) But I just think, as it pertains to the rest of their season, I think being able to show, you know, because again, all of a sudden, you got a lot of different guys who have proven now that they're capable of making plays. You add, you know, Giles Jackson in there, Sain still is catching the football. I mean, even Cornelius Johnson coming in, catching a touchdown pass last Saturday on a play where. A well-played, well-called RPO in which he broke the block at the perfect time, you know, and, and created an, the easiest touchdown he'll probably ever score. You know, now all <laughs> of a sudden, you, you're Michigan. And you Treat Black made a great grab. You got guys that are, ton of guys that are making plays at a lot of different positions, you know. And so Michigan is in a spot now where they can effectively attack you from. Really, if they're executing properly, it, it, it'll it be tough for any defense to kind of fully slow them down because of how many different guys right now are not just on the field, but are have shown they're capable of making plays.
0: Mm-hmm. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Yeah, I think if I if I had the steering wheel, I think I would advise Michigan to probably run. You know, Michigan State, Patterson had a fantastic game against Michigan State. So did Illinois. Brandon Peters also threw like 100 yards more than he has ever thrown before. I'm really just I'm I'm wondering how much of it has to do with Michigan State's coverage with some of the injuries they have uh the suspension they have to Joe Bacci maybe just some of the some of the inexperience they have by guys not named Josiah Scott So I I think I mean I don't know I don't know if you're going to see Patterson throw for 300 yards and I just I I think Michigan the way its offensive line is played, I think you just at least first early on, you know, sprinkle in some pass plays. I don't think any anyone should have a "let's run the ball all game" game plan. But there is rain in the forecast. Um, you know, you probably can get you're probably going to get a better push on this defensive front than you were going to get on Michigan State's front. So run the ball, you know, Haskins and Charbonnet and Wilson, as you said, I mean, you're probably going to need them against Ohio State, if not to win the game, to keep the keep the defense guessing. Because it's not so much, I mean, I've heard a couple people on, on our message board talk about like holding back or whatever, keep things off film. I think you want to put as much stuff on film as you can right. for Ohio State. I don't think you want to actually keep anything a secret. Um, maybe that's, I maybe that's why no one hires me as a coach, right. but I don't think we
1: should limit necessarily limit the running game to the backs either with that, with some of the swing stuff that they've been mixing in there too. Cause those are, that's considered a part of the running game, right? Um, yeah. Jackson on the end of rounds. Like I said, I always kind of think the key in the key for me in, in, in any of these types of situations is I always feel like how you attack the linebackers can really dictate how much success you have. Because like we said before, when earlier in the season, when there was this inability to keep on some of those read plays and those linebackers had to do absolutely zero thinking and could just attack, mm-hmm. you know, it was really, really hurting Michigan's offense. And that's not just, you know, cause they weren't doing this. They weren't throwing the swing as much as they look like they have been the last couple weeks, especially is just forcing those that second level to for just even a fraction of a second. You know, and you saw how much you see how much success Michigan continues to kind of have when Patterson does keep, but you're also starting to see how much success they're having on those swing passes to that motion guy, whether it's Bell or Peoples Jones. And the more if you the more you can do that successfully, you get the linebackers to keep thinking. Then it's open. Then the lanes open up for Charbonnet and Haskins, and then all of a sudden you're in a spot where right. now it's pick your poison, you know. And and so it feels like that's what Michigan's been working towards. Obviously, I think the the story here is it's probably it took them longer than what they hoped, but at the same time, you know they are peaking at the right at the at the perfect moment, you know. And so mm-hmm. I think it's it's not so much at this point about run pass as it is, like I said, just go after them and, and confuse them, confuse it. Just have a defense with their head, like turn them on their head, you know? And, 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 yeah. and, and like I said, there's enough guys who have emerged, particularly the two freshmen, you know, St. Russell's leading receiver against Notre Dame. Jackson now has a kickoff return, which I know is not offense, but still like the guy is capable of making plays uh, and
0: technically the leading rusher against Michigan. Well, there you State.
1: go. Well, yeah, that you're right, actually. But um <laughs> you know, it that that they can, that they can get to that point. And so I'm interested to see, you know, if they how much they continue that lateral the lateral stuff, and to see if, you know, if they start out with that. Do they then go to the straight up rushing game and does it help open up those lanes? Because again, I, I think that's, I think that's how this offense is going to be at its best. Whether that's now or next season or whenever is when that lateral movement forces the linebackers to make decisions that Michigan now has athletes that can can make them pay for whatever decision they make. So,
0: yeah, I like I like the way you. You put that because, yeah, it probably shouldn't be like a do you run or do you pass? You're going to do both, you know, unless this game is not anything like we expect. They're going to need both. They're going to need both against Ohio State. They're going to need both in the bowl game. So I think maybe the better question is what can the offense, what is an optimal day for the offense on Saturday? And, And I think you kind of answered it pretty well is you want, you can't build true in game confidence in practice. You build that in games. So you want as many players as possible coming out coming home from Bloomington kind of with a with a confidence, as you said, they're gonna have to pick their poison against us from now right. on. You want you want your if you're Michigan, you want your team to have that mentality when they get on the plane home. And so in and, and that yeah, some of that's Jackson, some of that's Stan and the younger guys, maybe maybe it's Ronnie Bell having a second good game in a row after he had been—I don't know if he was how much he was dinged up—and but relatively quiet month prior. You want Nico Collins feeling? You know, Tariq Black, as you kind of mentioned, if he can get a couple passes because he he's had a very quiet midseason, and and you know Peoples Jones had a you know pretty nice game against Michigan State. Yeah, I think optimally if you're Michigan, you are you are feeling as diverse and dynamic as you have all season. Cuz yeah, really, I mean the reason this question keeps coming up is because there are some games that they're just like, yep, this is going to be a run running game. Illinois is is one of them and then there's some games where it's, well, this is going to be a passing game. So yeah, maybe maybe that's not the debate. Maybe the debate is what do you want this offense to like what do you want them to gain from this game or what can what's optimal for them and it's probably confidence is the is the big thing and confidence and and versatility
1: well I would say let me throw, anyway. let me throw oh, this ahead. in real quick though I don't think because I think the conversations we had the last few weeks were apt though I just think they're in a different spot now than they were you know you see now they ran for three hundred plus on Notre Dame. in in the heavy rain. Then now last week you see them throw, and again, yeah, we know Michigan State especially, not what they used to be as far as a pass defense standpoint, but I think the conversations we had in the past about, you know, should they attack through the air or on the ground were, were good conversations to have at the time. I just think they've crossed maybe a bridge now where regardless of opponent, I just think confidence is high at the quarterback position and you're seeing a lot of guys, you know, who are capable of making plays, you know, playing at their highest level, playing very confidently right now. So there is an up op- Now it's a, ch- a situation where you can – where we don't – maybe the debate doesn't need to be had anymore because now you can say, you know, we can attack these guys any way we want to and succeed. Whereas, you know, a month ago we right. probably wouldn't – there was nothing to suggest that we could even have that conversation. So it's really it's, – it's basically we've kind of <laughs> – uh, narrated the evolution, I guess, of this of the offense as far as on a week to week basis, you know, because I do, I look at it this week where it, just go at it and and see, make them stop you, not so much a, you know, we're not doing well here, we really need to establish this side of things. Now I th- I just I do I feel like they're in a spot where it's like okay now we can kind of, almost like we can go to work, you know, and I think you mentioned Tariq Black especially, I think that was a big two things was a big catch for him in that spot and b michigan and i know harbaugh talked about it i can tell you behind the scenes very angry about that call that they thought it was total (laughs) a total bs call and i think harbaugh like black is a guy i think that's going to be a big confidence boost for him. Not just that he made a nice, made a nice grab. I know so many people have it. Yeah. You know, cause you see it live and you see Harbaugh yelling at him, get off the field and stuff. And it's like, you know, you got to wonder, cause he has been, has not been a massive factor for them over the last month is like, man, like he makes a big play and then they throw this kind of odd penalty flag. You know, is that the type of thing that could, you know, break a guy's confidence a little bit where it's like, man, I can't even make a good play without something bad happening. Uh, whereas Michigan fully had his back, you know, and again, I have a hunch that I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be important for them in the last couple weeks of the season. So um, nothing substantive to that as much as I just have a kind of an instinct that he's going to need to make a big play at some point for them. And so his getting his confidence, keeping his confidence at a high level, I think is, is, was important to Michigan and is important to them. So, um, but yeah, no, I think it's been, it's been kind of fun, to look back and think about, yeah, kind of how we've talked this offense, you know, discuss this, like I said, the evolution of this unit, you know, into the, into the point now, like I said, where they're at, where they can just kind of attack a defense the way, any way they want to.
0: Hmm. Okay. Time for some over-unders. Here we go. These are, these are brought to us by our good friend, Neil, via Zul on our message board. First on the offense, 279.5 yards passing. I'm taking the under between the weather and the fact that Indiana has a little bit better of coverage. I believe it's it's Mullen. Um, he's a true freshman, but he's he's been really good for them. I mean, like he's he's kind of got that future All Big Ten look to him. Uh, off to a nice start to his career. Generally speaking, I think they're tenth nationally in pass defense. Again, when you allow one passing yard to Rutgers on five completions, I don't even know how that's possible. Um that, that helps that it kind of pads your stats, but I just I don't know I don't know if Michigan's getting two hundred and eighty passing yards on Saturday. Steve?
1: Yeah, I'll say under as well. Yeah, Taiwan Mullen, a younger brother of former Clemson, five star corner and current Oakland Raider breakout Trayvon Mullen actually out of coconut Creek out of oh. coconut Creek high School in southern Florida that was a really nice pickup for Indiana at the time and you know a, a,
0: yeah how they how'd they swing that you'd think Clemson would see restart, something,
1: a, I we had I just checked real quick he was an 87 too it's not as if he was really an, a heavily underranked guy so um but yeah kind of interesting he's a, really been a great football player for them and like I said much like his brother was a star for Clemson and really I think has been a kind of a breakout star for the Raiders this year too. So definitely some bloodlines there.
0: Mm-hmm. And they have they have a good secondary overall, a few, few experienced guys. Uh, I can't remember the sophomore corner's name on the other side. It, it's been pretty, I mean, they, they've had a few pleasant surprises on the defensive side of the ball this year. Next question or next over under 69.5 yards for Michigan's leading rusher. So does somebody run for 70 yards? I, I don't, I don't know. I'm kind of stumped there. I'm gonna. I'll say. I'll say over because I just. I do. I mean, I, I. I imagine they'll run the ball, a decent amount. That's an iffy under or over under though. I, I. I'll say over, but I, after seeing Michigan State kind of do some things and knowing that Indiana, they're not. They're not miserable against the run. They're not. They're not in Illinois or Maryland against the run. They're kind of in between. But I'll still say over, just for the sake of it.
1: Uh, I'm gonna say over as well.
0: Okay, three and a half players catch at least three passes. Hmm, three and a half players catch it. You know, Michigan does a really nice job spreading the ball around. I mean, they, they, really, they're one of the better teams in the country as far as getting. You know, last week they nine different players caught passes. I almost feel like they're too spread to have four different players with three or more receptions. I'll say, I'll say under.
1: Uh, I'll just disagree with you on one of these. I'll go over. That's a tough
0: one. Yeah. Plus, they like throwing to Nico Collins and Ronnie sure. Bell. You know, do, do they have – do they get four with three? I say no. All right. 49.5 receiving yards total from the tight end position. I feel like that's an easy over. I mean, now that McCune's the the chemistry and the, the his health is back in full, and, and Nick Eubanks is is having a pro- he might be having the best season that no one's talking about. And I just realized we haven't gotten him for an interview for a few weeks. I mean, he for early on in the season he was like, we started getting him almost too much, you know, because he was like kind of the spokesperson of the passing game because he. He he's a senior. He um, you know could handle the questions really well. Yeah, we haven't gotten him in a while, I don't think. So, but anyway, between those two, plus you know the possibility of Shoemaker all making a play, I'll say over.
1: I agree. I'll go with the over as well.
0: One point five pass interference calls drawn by Nico Collins. Uh, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to predict he draws two. So I'll say under, but he, he, that's something he's done all season
1: over. I think he'll okay. get two. Yeah, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, it's hard to predict PI calls, but I'll say over. Why not?
0: Sure. Four and a half punts by Michigan. So last week they just punted once, right? Yeah. Cause they had the failed fourth down conversion. Then the rest of the game, they, they either scored or took a knee. Pretty, pretty impressive. Uh, five punts for Michigan. Oh. I'll or four and a half, I guess, is the over under. I'll say, I'll say under. I'm actually, I, while I'm pretty sold on Indiana's offense, we'll get to that in just a moment. I'm not totally sold on their defense. I think, I think they've padded their stats a little bit against some bad teams. I mean, they, they Maryland scored thirty-one points. Nebraska scored thirty-one points. You know, whereas like Northwestern and Rutgers and UConn, that was their other non-conference game. Baby, baby's bottoms non-conference schedule there. UConn, Eastern Illinois, and Ball State. Uh, Ball State put up some points. I mean, they put up 20, 24 points, I believe. So I'll say under. I, I do think Michigan is able to move the football.
1: That's a tough one just cuz of the possible weather. Um Right. I'll go over What the hell ha- what, the, enough. what the hell happened in Northwestern by the way? I mean, holy crap. Oh, this
0: season? <laughs> Jeez, oh, well, they swung and missed on the quarterback. They don't have a running back and their receivers left with Clayton Thorson sure. last year. Man, 2 and 8. They cannot score. They just cannot they haven't score.
1: Won in the conference either. Wow, man. That's crazy. That's not a not a team I would expect to go over. And they have what Minnesota and Illinois left, I think, right? They play Minnesota. I know they played yep. Minnesota this week. Yeah, at Illinois. Ugh. might go and 9 in the Big 10. I don't think it ever would have seen that coming. Anyway, sorry. It was just
0: random. I'm yeah, gonna... it's looking like No, no. You're you're it's something I I've kind of stopped doing the Big 10 power rankings now that basketball season's here and I got a lot going on, but Every week, I would look and I'd be like, "Are they going to score 15 points in this game?" Like, I don't think that they have exceeded 15 points against a Big Ten team yeah. this year. Just
1: when they move out of the rotation for Michigan, they become they become a complete <laughs> bottom dweller in the conference. So,
0: well, I think they've got it now where all the West schools it's every every through every third year they'll come in. So for for Michigan, it was 2015 and 2018, yeah. right? They scored so, 22 against um,
1: Purdue, but yeah, otherwise. Three, zero, three,
0: ten, fifteen, ten, seven.
1: Wow. That's <laughs> man, hard to believe.
0: Anyway, uh, three and a half points scored by Michigan in the first quarter. They've been pretty good in the first quarter. Well actually, that's a that's a that was a really good comment if I excluded last week. Um, I wrote a story before last week's game about their first quarter. So they had been pretty good in the first quarter. They they did not do so well against Michigan State. Uh, they did not score in the first quarter. Then, but I'll say, I'll say they get at least four points in the first quarter. I, I Michigan might be in trouble if they're not. I mean, I, you know, Michigan Indiana is not a hostile environment, but it is an environment. I I imagine it will be at least somewhat of a charged atmosphere. No, because I you got to think Indiana knows they've got a chance here. They get you know it's, it's their biggest. Non-OSU home game. They're seven and three. Michigan's eight and two. Anyway, I, I do think they score a touchdown in the first quarter.
1: I will go over as well. Yeah, it's not. It's it's not a raucous environment. But if it's if you're talking about Michigan right now, it's also not the big house. So you mm-hmm. know it doesn't. If it whether the environment's been raucous or not. I mean Maryland was. well, I guess they kind of ran Maryland off the field, but you know even like Illinois was half empty you know it really hasn't mattered the environment so much as just that they just haven't like i said played four full quarters away from michigan stadium so
0: right on the defensive side four and a half tackles for loss plus sacks by all linebackers including josh uche under these sack and tfl ones i'm not i'm not taking the bait this time indiana doesn't allow a ton of them I'm not. I'm not biting. You know, I th- I think Michigan's defense will do decently well. I just I think Indiana's pretty good at avoiding tackles for loss. I think they're pretty good at making sure they're in front of the line of scrimmage, even if it's only like a three yard gain. I think they're comfortable with that. Uh, I don't I don't know a ton about Deboer. I mean, he's a spread spread guy. Uh, can work quickly. You know, a lot of creative red zone approaches is something I was. I was kind of reading about uh, some bold, bold decisions. I don't know. They they don't allow a lot of tackles for loss. So I'm going to say under.
1: Yeah, I agree. I'll agree with you on that one.
0: Next one, 269.5 yards passing allowed. So they Ramsey did throw for 371 against Penn State. Does he have another game like that in him, most notably, since it's at home? I'm going to say uh, that's a, that's a, I would, I would probably guess right around 270. I'll say, I'll say over, um, I could be wrong here. I just, I think they've got, you know, they've got a good tight end. Michigan has allowed about one or two big plays per time. They faced a good tight end. Wap Philly or that, that might swing it because if he he's in concussion protocol right now, he's, Gonna be a game time decision. He's got 850 yards yeah, this year. That's
1: a big, like, that's a big storyline for this game, really, because he's he's one of the best receivers in the country, at least statistically.
0: Yeah, and he's he and he's got some Hamler in him where he can he can play at all all sorts of lineups and formations and and catch the ball and get open in a lot of different scenarios. Can I do Can I do a a, a swing vote where if he plays, they get that's over. Yeah. That's no, my I pick. It, and if he doesn't yeah, play, a significant, they're under. Yeah, it's a
1: significant deal. I think that's fair. I'm still going to take under either yeah. way. But.
0: Yeah, sure. David Ellis is another guy. I mean, he, he's kind of the replacement slot. He's got some shiftiness to him. He's he's their kick returner. A pretty good kick returner, actually. Almost 500 kick return yards this year. But um, I think they've got a few options. I do think Westbrook and Hale mm-hmm. are going to have quiet games. That's a prediction. But I I just, I mean, they've got three other guys. Peyton Hendershot is their their tight end, by the way. Uh, How about that? Indiana has two players named Peyton playing an integral role in their passing game.
1: Wow, that's crazy.
0: Well, you got to think about it now. They they were probably born when Peyton was leading the Colts.
1: You mean when he was putting up big regular seasons and then choking in the playoffs? (laughs) Yeah, no.
0: Well, you know, he won. He won playoff games. The Lions don't. So, um, all right. Next one, one, eighty-four point. Bring
1: the Lions into this. They're not a. Yeah, we. Don't, yeah, we don't. We don't. No, we don't.
0: I don't think you'd be saying the same thing about Peyton if if he was in charge of the Lions. Uh. But well, um,
1: that's a difference. That's that's unfair, though. So uh, that's a different story. <laughs> Just Lions is some success, please.
0: Uh. yards from scrimmage allowed to Stevie Scott. So he had 139 yards rushing last year. I I, I have all these numbers about how Michigan has really shut down some good rushers this year. You know, Indiana, or not Indiana, Illinois, um, Rutgers, Iowa, Michigan State, Notre Dame, Maryland. Really, I mean, Penn State—they didn't run the ball. I know they don't; they're not a great rushing attack this season, but their run defense, ever since they faced Wisconsin, has been exceptional. I'll—I'll I'll be bold here. I'll say—I'll say under. I'll take the under on that one.
1: Yeah, the funny—I actually
0: maybe that's not that bold.
1: No, I was gonna say I—I I agree. I think it's under as well. Semi-bold.
0: Yeah. So you're 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 kinda you're you're taking the bait on Michigan's defense shutting Indiana down, huh?
1: I I just like where they're at. Again, much like the offense, just but in a different way. I just they've slowly been ascending. And it's a lot of it is due to plus plus athletes starting to kind of come into their own at spots where Michigan has maybe not had plus plus athletes in the past. Along with experience at the right spots, right? I mean, that's why I said mm-hmm. I talked earlier about how important I think the linebacking core is for any defense. And you have t-
0: going to say they have three seniors in their linebacking, like start, you know, f- starting quartet. Right.
1: So, you know, with Glasgow, uh, Buckus, semifinalists, and Hudson, really a guy I think is another one who maybe haven't talked enough about as far as. After some early season kind of inconsistencies, he is really playing some good football at the right time right now for them. So um so yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm a believer mm-hmm. in the defense right now.
0: Next one, I think we're probably gonna be in agreement on this one. Seven and a half catches for Wap Filior. We don't even know if he's gonna play. Plus we don't even know if he'll have eight catches or more. I'm gonna say the under.
1: Have to say under. We don't yeah, like his status is up in the air, so
0: like doing a tackle prediction for Josh Ross or right. something like <laughs> well um
1: probably made these could have made this these number these over unders before like early I guess
0: yeah well it's hard to tell I mean who knows maybe he does play and they do that's throw true. him to to him all day six and a half quarterback hurries plus pass breakups for the defense so two stats that uh well pass breakups is pretty definitive but quarterback hurry that's almost like in the eye of Michigan's scorekeepers. To make that decision, it might be in the eye of Indiana's scorekeepers. I'm going to say under. That's kind of a high total seven. I don't even know what they're averaging in either category this this season. So I'll say under.
1: Oh, That's a tough one. I almost want to say over because I think they'll throw the ball a lot. But then again, that's maybe another one where the weather kind of plays a factor, in my opinion, a little bit where I, I would just feel safer saying under
0: four and a half trips to the red zone for Indiana. I'll say under.
1: Yeah. Five trips to the red zone, that'd be a lot. That'd be that would not be good news for Michigan if that if that if they hit the over <laughs> on that one then Michigan they're, they're more than in for a game on Saturday, no doubt.
0: Right. Yeah, it just that is a lot. I mean, they they're, they're going to get probably 12, 13 drives. You think more than I mean, more than a third of them are going into the red Red zone. I don't think Michigan even allows that. I don't know if they even allowed that against Wisconsin. They certainly didn't allow it against Penn State. I think Penn State. It was like two or three trips to the red zone. So I'll take the under. Seven point five points for Indiana's maximum lead in the game. So that do they ever lead by eight points or more? I'm going to say under.
1: Yeah, again, yeah. I mean, I if I'm predicting Michigan to win this game, then I have to say under there because it on the road, if this is too, this is yeah, this is too good of a team. If they're down by more than a touchdown, it's going to be like I'm just going off what my prediction score is. And if yeah, there's it's going to mm-hmm. be a lot closer than that if if they're up by more than a touchdown.
0: Okay, those are our over unders. Thank you for indulging us with that final score prediction and maybe some final thoughts on the game. I can go first. I as I said I am not sold on Indiana's defense. I, I think Michigan's going to going to put up some points. I'm a little bit sold on their offense. I I think the fact they did it against Penn State, granted Penn State I think gave them some some gimme turnovers, Michigan's been able to avoid turnovers. That's something to keep an eye on, but I've got I have Michigan winning. I don't know if it always looks easy, but I do think in the end they at least create a little bit more space than they've created the last four times these teams have met. Michigan thirty-four, Indiana twenty. Steve, what say you?
1: I think I sent. We had to put in our staff predictions, but I just that's usually just without much thought. Um, I have Michigan with yeah. I think I had thirty-four to seventeen was my score.
0: Oh, good. Okay, so we're pretty. No, much I mean that's.
1: I, I again, <laughs> the weather could be a factor here too. Uh, if it is, then shift each score down a little maybe like a 28 to 10 you know I just again Michigan's just gelling at the right time they just look like they're playing at a really high level on both sides of the football and and I think we'll see more of it on Saturday I I just I think this will be a game where the rational person will come out of it satisfied with how Michigan plays against a quality football team on the road
0: sure Sure, okay, with that, that has been our podcast. Check out all of our preview content over at the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan at 247 sports.com. Lots of stuff going up. I did a position by position preview, like 2,000 words on Indiana. So more than more than most people will ever want to know. But if you do want to know, plenty of that. I'll have some key questions. Uh, we have some stuff from the press conferences earlier this week. Lots of stuff to check out in Michigan's Penultimate regular season game. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. And we'll see you on Sunday after the game.